From Microsoft New Zealand, I'm Daniel Larson and this is Azure Lunch, a podcast about Microsoft Azure in short digestible chunks where we discuss cloud computing from a Kiwi perspective with architects, engineers and technical specialists from around the world. Azure Lunch is sponsored by Microsoft FastTrack for Azure, a team of engineers and program managers dedicated to helping you to be successful in Azure. Learn more at azure.com slash FastTrack. Divya Sangar started her career in Fiji doing dial-up internet and PABX installations when we used to connect customers by hand, crimping onto MDFs. Now she works on one of the largest private-owned fiber networks in the world, the Microsoft Azure Global Network. In this episode, Divya takes us on her journey from network engineer to global networking black belt, unraveling mysteries along the way of this fascinating area of computing that enables distributed services to operate at truly global scale. We also talk about the recently launched ExpressRoute Edge node in Auckland, which allows New Zealand customers to connect locally to the global Azure network, reducing the costs of inter-networking with our Australian Azure regions and the world. Daniel Larson and Divya Sangar are employees of Microsoft, and as always, our opinions are our own. It's my pleasure today to be talking with Divya Sangar, Technical Solutions Professional for Networking at Microsoft. Uh, Divya has an extensive resume of working for and with some of the biggest players in the telco and networking space, including AAPT, Equinix, and most recently, Microsoft. Divya, thank you for joining me on the Azure Lunch podcast today. Thank you, Daniel, for having me yeah, more than uh, and welcome. letting me speak on your podcast. We are, we are pinching 20 minutes between a very hectic schedule of yours today. Um, and it sounds like you're just getting incredible interest on what we're about to talk to, about yes. today, which is the Express Route Pop node, uh, Edge node, sorry. Um, thank you so much for taking this time. I, I just really want to start this, this, um, this chat first of all, just to go back in time, but maybe you could take us back and just tell us how you came to be working at Microsoft, just so we can get a sense of where you've come from. Yeah, definitely. Um, so believe it or not, uh, my my journey started in the telecommunications industry mm. back at Telecom Fiji. Um, oh, yeah. I was doing my third year university, wow. <laughs> and I was um, I joined there as a casual employee doing dial-up internet installation. Nice. <laughs> and from there, after I graduated, um, I, I got a full-time job. But then from dial-up internet, I did PABXs. So I was mm -hmm. actually crimping on the MDFs. Really? So I've done the hard yard. Wow, with the Chrome tool. <laughs> yes, and all exactly of that? the Chrome awesome. tool. You don't see that anymore. You don't. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I started that, um, but I moved to Australia um, in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. and from there I was very lucky to start working for a, a broad broadband wholesaler. Right. And that actually started my my advanced networking journey right. uh, in the sense that I actually was doing my Cisco certifications. Um, I started in the provisioning team, but then I uh, I became a network engineer in, mm -hmm. in that group. And then I later moved to uh, another another company, NEC Australia, had their own uh, broadband wholesale business. Mm -hmm. So I used to look after their infrastructure um, Australia-wide. Yes. Uh, and they, they used to work with uh, DSLAMs and you know DSL termination, nice. um, wholesale Ethernet. So that, wow. that journey continued. And then um, from a network engineer, um, I, I got to work with Juniper Kit and uh, Redback back in the day. Red, oh, there was yeah. a Redback Kit as well. So mm -hmm. I did all that. Um, then I moved to pre-sales and actually um, probably 
10, 12 years ago is when I probably was last hands-on right. on Arata. Um, I've, I've been doing pre-sales since then. So I started the pre-sales journey um, and AAPT was my one of my, one of my roles where I did uh, work as a pre-sales engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, and then from then on, um, I actually got a job at Equinix Data Center. So yes. Equinix are one of the world's largest yeah. data center provider in the world. Um, and I came at a crucial time when they were launching their um, data center in Melbourne. So I was in a construction site for six months. Really? Uh, watching the data center get built. I used to do tours in hard hat and safety boots. Amazing. <laughs> so what... Can, can yeah. we pause there? Because I've got friends who work in other infrastructure industries mm -hmm. and, and they're always fascinated about this. I mean, you're, you're talking about building a data center and just you know for our audience who may not have had the pleasure of going inside a data center i mean we're talking about you know big warehouses really full of computers that are you know that are used for the cloud and for for private hosting and things like that but it sounds like you're involved when you're actually pouring the footings pouring the, for the footings. concrete and, and you're having to put in all those different um, services. Exactly. Um, so what was exciting for me but like working for a telco you're only restricted to you know your local providers but yeah Working for a data center again changed my shift in my vision of you know what a, a local local uh, sorry what a global company was doing in yes. the sense that you know how are they using data centers how mm. are, how is interconnection important to them right. and that's crucial because then you start looking at a global networking map and now you now a subsea cable is of relevance isn't it exactly. uh, so yep. it is it is very um, very exciting. Yeah, I, I love that. And so by a subsea cable, you're you're literally talking about some fiber. That has been, you know, laid by one of the cable ships, uh, you know, on the surface of the of the ocean to cross another you know, to to join another continent. continents. Exactly, yeah, it is very powerful. So, um, what I was in, involved in was apart. From, I used to do um, data center tours in 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 during the construction days, but also, uh, you know, when the data center was built. But mm. what was interesting was um, actually watching the. The, the carriers um, bring mm. fiber into the data center mm. to actually because I had never gone down to that that layer of detail in a telco because everything was right. pre-built and I'm yep. just you know doing doing things in other layers uh, so that really took took a lot of interest um, so I um, I was with Equinix for about three years before I moved to Microsoft. Yes. Um, and I, I, from a sales engineer at Equinix, I became a global solution architect. So again, um, yes. from doing the solution for customers uh, for the cloud connectivity from Equinix Data Center. So Microsoft, um, I've only had one role at Microsoft. <laughs> right. I'm in the global Black Belt team based out of Melbourne, uh, looking after Azure networking. Um, and uh, and I, my area to cover is Australia and New Zealand. Right. So anything to do with hybrid connectivity from on-prem to the cloud, but also networking within the cloud falls in my area. Excellent. And so it sounds like we at Microsoft have employed you because of clearly your wealth of experience in, in telco and, and networking. And you mentioned two roles there. One was a network engineer and the other one was a, a solution architect. Can you can you tell us more about what a network engineer actually does? Yes, yeah, so um, from a, it was a sales engineer role yeah. at Equinix. Uh, is that what you... Yeah, and even before that. So, I mean, if someone who was hearing this and thought that sounds like a really interesting in industry to get into, what does a network engineering a network engineer actually do? Of I course. mean, pre-sales as well. I mean, yes, like of course. So, for network engineer, I was actually looking after maintaining the backhaul um, infrastructure. Right. So, um, anything to do with... Um, uh, 
you know, taking escalations from the help desk team if the customer yeah. had a fault because the products we were selling was, um, you know, point-to-point -point Ethernet connectivity, but also like a layer two connectivity, but also MPLS connectivity. Yes. So I was actually maintaining the, um, and with a group of team members, I was maintaining the backhaul infrastructure right. for, my, for my company, but also at the same time doing product uh, uh, releases. So launching a new product that, you know, would be released to the market. So making sure that's all enabled. Nice. And doing pro internal product training. Yeah. Uh, so that was from a telco side. And then pre-sale side actually made me go more hands-off, yes. uh, but put my sales hat on. And explain things, right? And explain I mean, you're things. clearly very good at explaining, you know, complex uh, subjects to someone like me who's, you know, completely naive with this sort of thing. Um, and I think there's a real skill in that. That's an important role, isn't it? Yes, it is. Especially when you're talking to a customer. Um, you know, I could I could talk about, um, you know, if I'm meeting a customer and I could talk about BGP routing and this yeah. is how local preference is. But if he doesn't understand the concept, it, it is irrelevant to him. So I yeah. actually, I try to explain in just layman's term what this would do and what is a use case and why this is helpful yeah, to nice. his business. And this is fantastic because the service we're about to talk about is really making this sort of networking, more global networking, much more accessible to customers and, and to people. We might not have come across some of these terms um, before. So I think it's, you know, it's even more important that we make this as easy as possible to explain to our customers and it's easy for them to understand so they can be successful and have a great experience along the way. No, absolutely. Yeah, okay, so that's good. So what's tell me about the, the networking products and services that you that you work with most often. So most often um, customers talk to me about connectivity to Azure. Mm -hmm. So usually, uh, you know, it's a site-to-site -site VPN or Express route. Right. And, and what is ExpressRoute? What, what, what type of connection would yeah, that be? Yeah, so ExpressRoute is a private, dedicated path from the customer's network to the Microsoft Edge. All the way from, All from the that way. point to point. All okay. the way. So it is not traversing the internet. No. It is a purely, purely dedicated path for the customer. Mm -hmm. And it is quite beneficial for the customer as well, just because they're getting um, a reliable performance. If they are using, I mean, they can use the internet to go to the cloud, but then your performance may not be that, that efficient. Okay. Uh, if you have, if you're using your branch office internet and you got a, someone's doing a large file transfer, if you got, if your application is on the cloud, the performance may deteriorate. Right. Whereas um, having the dedicated path to Microsoft Edge gives you the um, the control, mm -hmm. and also you've got that um, dedicated pathway to the cloud. You you actually with the Express Route service, you actually can um, guarantee a bandwidth to the cloud. So you can start mm -hmm. with 50 megabits of megabits per second of traffic, yes. going to um, 10 gigabits per second right. of traffic. So wow. it is a huge scale. Yes, exactly. um, And also Express Route comes with an S SLA, yes. uh, which customers normally you know talk to us about. Uh, right. Whereas connecting over the internet, of course, internet there is no SLA. Yeah, so that's interesting. So, I mean, I guess you'll get to a certain level of maturity with customers or maybe size where all of a sudden they become very interested in resiliency because that's another thing. I mean, you know, you've mentioned that ExpressRoute provides that resiliency. There's redundant connections. redundancies, connections, yes. great, and, and, that, and that connection. And for customers who are probably, I mean, would you describe that as the quality? I mean, the quality of service, is that right? Or they just want some dedicated pipe which is just for their use? Yes, or is that um, how you think of it? Yeah, so there's two aspects of it. Customers... Um, one, the dedicated path, uh, pathway, pathway to the Microsoft okay. Edge. Yes. Um, that's very important. Uh, it's their choice. Right. Or in some cases, they're mandated by the industry. So right. we're thinking about maybe finance and oh, how yes. they're mandated that, you know, if you are going to put your stuff on, on the cloud, public cloud, make sure it is through a private link and not through uh, an internet service. Very cool. Okay, so you're, you are in Auckland today because uh, for, for customer meetings and also 
we've got a, um, a meetup tonight to talk about the um, announcement of a new express route edge node in Auckland, New Zealand. Why is that a big, what is it, first of all, and, and why is that a big deal for New Zealanders? Yeah, New definitely. Zealand well, I'm very excited about it. Me too. I'm yeah. very excited. <laughs> and all the customers I'm speaking with uh, and partners, everyone's excited about it. So it's really, really good to hear uh, that the investment that Microsoft is putting into New Zealand is going to pay off. Uh, and uh, the whole reason is previously when customers from New Zealand wanted to connect to a cloud service, they would have to engage a carrier mm. Uh, and pay the Trans-Tasman link mm -hmm. to connect to, say, for example, Sydney Azure region. Mm -hmm. Or and if they're glo going global, it's it costs a bit more. So are there multi multiple parties involved in that, right? So before ExpressRoute, I guess I would have to call up my telco. I'd also have to have some sort of physical connection from my building into some sort of exchange, and then from there on to yes. the Australian party, and then they would have to exactly. connect. Is that right? Are we so simplifying that whole definitely. process? Definitely. So you you would have a number of parties involved. Your carrier, you know, may or may not be able to give you that um, connectivity to Azure uh, in Australia. Uh, so you may have to con connect to someone directly. Uh, oh, sorry, contact someone directly. So what this whole, the premise of this ex Auckland Express Route Edge means for customers is New Zealand customers definitely number one is significant cost saving mm. because they only have to care about getting a local loop to the data center where our edge is mm -hmm. and Microsoft is going to look after the backhaul okay. to any global region that the customer wants to connect to. Okay, so pause there. So, so three terms there. One is the is the, what did you say, the edge node? The express route edge node. Edge node. So <coughs> I, I expect that as some sort of hardware or some sort of infrastructure that we've installed somewhere in Auckland to provide that service. The other one was the local loop. What's a local loop? So local loop is um, a customer connecting to the data center. Mm -hmm. So in Auckland, they'll get a Metro Ethernet connection right. um, directly to the data center. So I class it as a local loop. Okay, so that so means that I don't have to now uh, have that connection or that pathway across the Tasman or globally, I can just connect to a point or terminate at that point in New Zealand. That means, I guess, that the traffic is cheaper or the... You the know, connectivity can... becomes so much more, um, you know, customers who couldn't afford it right. now are able to, you know, consider actually getting an express truck service. Yes. And also Microsoft is absorbing the cost of the Trans-Tasman link. Totally. So that's the backhaul bit, right? So that's, mm -hmm. I guess, you know, the... The, um, the cable or the fiber that's between New Zealand and the, the region that we're going to, which in this case would be um, Australia. And we, what, we, do we have our own cable? Do we, do we lease that cable? Is that our own dedicated bandwidth? How yes, so if you look at the parts, uh, which is publicly available, um, it is owned by third party. Yes. So we're actually leasing uh, capacity. But we're leasing cable. dedicated capacity. We're yes, not dedicated. sharing it with anyone no, else. No, yeah. we're leasing dedicated capacity. Wow. Yes. Awesome. So we're so, going to manage that bit for you. We're, we're taking on the costs for that. And, and because we've got lots and lots of uh, customers that we're serving across that pipe, then we're, I guess, able to offer it, um, you know, to make that affordable for customers who possibly wouldn't be able to afford to do that on their own. Exactly. And for some customers I've spoken so far, you know, um, they, may, they, were, they were only able to afford like for example a 50 meg service, mm. you know, yep. but now they're considering getting a one gig to Auckland. Yeah, outstanding. Oh, that is, um, that's very cool. Um, and I guess the, why I see this as a big deal for, for New Zealanders is because we don't have a region. We don't have an Azure region in New Zealand. Our closest Azure region is in uh, Australia. And of course, um, we are always looking for ways to get our data to and from that, that Australian Azure region. 
uh, and beyond as, as quickly and as easily as possible. I guess this is really just going to open up uh, more options for many more customers to be able to do that. Definitely. When you talk about regions, uh, you know, for a customer in from from a customer in New Zealand, for them to connect to um, a region in Melbourne or Sydney would just need Express Route standard SKU. Great. Uh, it's just like anyone else connecting to Azure region from any other Australian city. Yes. So uh, as a recap, there's there's a standard SKU and a premium SKU. Yes. And in some regions, you would require the premium SKU to connect so, to the network. Yes. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to go to any other global Azure region, including uh, AU Central yes. regions, which is in Canberra, you will need Express Route Premium. Right. And I actually really like the sound of that, not just for being able to connect to the um, Australia Central regions, but is it, I mean, my understanding, just from reading the documentation, isn't it possible then for me, once I get on, once I traverse the edge onto uh, Microsoft's network, now with the premium Express Route SKU, I can effectively route my traffic or I can use those, I can use Microsoft's uh, private network to route my traffic anywhere in the world? Exactly. So depending on which region that you want to go to, um, you know, you can route your traffic using the Microsoft Backbone. And look how powerful that is, isn't it? I think that's incredible. I don't think we talk about that enough. I just think that's such a great story. It's, I mean, last time I looked, New Ze uh, Microsoft owned the second largest private network in the world. Yes. Yeah, yes. which is, you know, And phenomenal. now our new strategies are on edge, you know, investing yep. in our edges, like this Express Route edge yeah. in Auckland. We released an edge in Perth earlier this year. Mm -hmm. There was Malaysia about 18 months wow. ago. So as you can see, none of these cities had, uh, had or countries had, um, uh, had any region, but mm -hmm. now we're leveraging by putting an edge. Again, making it very easy, very easy for customers to connect to Azure. Mm, very good. And that works both ways too. I mean, I, I work in a, a bit in distributed computing and, you know, one of the, uh, I don't know, it's probably the second or third law of distributed computing is the closest you can move the compute or the, um, you know, those those pop nodes to your customers, um, the better. And it sounds like we're doing that with other great services and products like Azure Front Door and CDN. And, and uh, there's so many cool services in that networking space. That's true. Awesome. Um, so what, what would be another scenario for routing my network traffic? globally. I mean, I've heard of branch office scenarios, or maybe I just want to connect to other other regions. Would, would this suit people who want to have... In New Zealand, it's quite common, actually. Let, let me just phrase this as a, as, a, um, as a scenario. So in New Zealand, we have a lot of ISVs, independent software vendors. Generally, they're writing software as a service for multiple uh, globally right so you know their target customers will be in the UK and the US and Australia and things like that is that a good model for that maybe I've got some infrastructure or compute deployed into into those three regions I just mentioned is would that be a good use of, of the um, Microsoft global network yes definitely so it's all about connectivity and making it easy for customers to connect together mm. and if those workloads reside on Azure then definitely mm. getting connectivity using the Microsoft backbone makes sense right when they got the entry point out of New Zealand okay yeah. okay awesome oh wow it's so interesting it does feel like I mean uh, you know again I'm a, I'm a developer so from my point of view you know services like Cosmos DB that we, I doubt we would be able to make uh, Cosmos DB as awesome as it is without this unbelievable networking story that we've got. That whole system um, relies on the absolute minimum amount of latency between the different um, nodes that we have distributed globally. And I, and I just really think it's another tribute to our fantastic networking story at Microsoft. What are other 
network as a service offerings from Microsoft that, that you are seeing, seeing either either now or on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, when I started with Microsoft, we had very, uh, very limited networking products. Mm. But as you can see now, we've got such a large global network and we actually have started to offer a lot more network as a service offering to customers. Mm -hmm. uh, we released two new products uh, maybe about eight, nine months ago. One is Global Reach. Right. So Global Reach allows um, customers to have branch-to-branch -branch connectivity yes. using the Microsoft backbone. Right. I mean, how powerful is that? And yeah. customers can use that uh, with the existing RAN solution, so that could be a secondary solution. Wow. Or another use case is, let's say, um, company A has acquired a company somewhere in the US. Yes. And, uh, you know, getting the whole network merger to take place, and I've, and I've done it, it yes. does not happen in six months. Yeah, it takes yeah, much yeah. longer. So during that time, uh, while you need your, you know, the new company to talk to your existing company, yes. you can use the Microsoft Backbone if they have an Express Route already. Mm. So that's called Express Route. Uh, that's part of an Express Route product called Global Reach. Right. It is an add-on that you add to your Express Route service. Okay. Uh, and then you can extend your private peering. Yeah. Um, so the other product, which is following a very similar theme, mm. is called Virtual Van. Um, again. It's a demand we've seen from customers because mm -hmm. now as customers are putting the, the applications on the cloud, the central data center does not have such a critical part to play. That's right. Because now apps are residing on uh, on Azure for a branch office, remote branch office. You know, the path they have to follow to get to that application is they have to come to a central data center and then find a path or hop into uh, mm -hmm. this, uh, where the app resides in Azure. Mm -hmm. What Virtual WAN allows is to you create a virtual hub yes. in the virtual WAN uh, and you can have all these different endpoints talking directly in a secure manner right. to the virtual uh, to each other so you could have branch to branch connectivity so you yes. could have a branch coming in from a SD-WAN device wow. uh, another one from doing a site to site VPN yes uh, you could have express route part of the virtual WAN you have a, a mobile user coming in via a point to site VPN yes and now you're all these VNets you had on Azure Yes. They're also part of the virtual van. Wow, so now right. everyone's talking to everybody using uh, using the virtual hub. And you've decentralized, you know, that big, you know, monolithic data center that you exactly. used, used to have in the middle of all of Exactly. That. You That's could have so cool. trusted from a remote branch, you could have a trusted uh, branch out or yeah. breakout for Office 365, and that's quite powerful for nice. customers too. Oh. So this is the way forward of yeah. what I'm seeing, you know, Azure, Azure networking releasing and more more innovations. Very cool. What an exciting product to be working on. Thank you so much, Tavia, for taking this time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. And uh, thank you for joining me on, on Azure Lunch podcast. Lovely. Thank you so much. It's been a lovely chat. Azure Lunch is sponsored by Microsoft Fast Track for Azure, a team of engineers and program managers dedicated to helping you to be successful in Azure. Learn more at azure.com slash fast track.